This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, touchdown, Jonathan Taylor, a run of 23 yards to Pater. They'll walk it upfield, it's intercepted, picked off by the Colts, and it's Darius Leonard. Wentz throws upfield into the end zone, sack, Pascal, touchdown, touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. All right, everyone, welcome into another edition of Colts Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm J.J. Stankovitz, joined by Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. And, Bill, I want to start here as we look at the Colts' 23-17 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 10. An important thing in the NFL is, is finding different ways to win each and every week and, and not leaning on one thing, whether that's the offense needing to score 30 points a game or the defense getting a bunch of takeaways. The Colts were able to win this game, Bill, because they got contributions in areas that they hadn't necessarily got them from earlier this year, whether that's special teams, the defense closing out a game in the way that they did today. I'm curious, Bill, as someone who's been on quite a few NFL teams when you're able to come out of a game like this, even if the Jaguars are a two-win team, they're a divisional opponent. You didn't play your best in one phase, but you're able to get this victory. When you kind of reconvene the day after, do you have more confidence in where you can go as a team and where the, specifically then where this Colts team is going? Because they showed today, hey, we can win a game even if we're not playing our best on the side of the ball that has been playing its best over the last couple games definitely gives you confidence um, because in this league, the good teams, they're not going to play well all 17 games of the season. They're going to play games where they're not playing that well, either on offense, defense, or special teams, and you have to find a way to win. And when you can find different ways to win and be able to close out a game like they did today, that definitely gives you more confidence Granted, the offense didn't play as well as they wanted to play. Of course they didn't. They wanted to play a lot better than what they did. The defense played well. They did some things today to, to slow up and confuse uh, Trevor Lawrence. But the special teams come up with a big play, come up with a big block and score a touchdown off a, off a block punt. That's huge for a team. And that just gives the team confidence knowing that, hey, if we go into the games later on in the year where we know we need to play to get us jump started or to turn the momentum around or change the game, we know one phase of our team can make that play if it's offense, defense, or special teams. So it definitely gives you confidence moving forward. The Colts offense scored 30 or more points in four consecutive games before today. The last time they were held under 30 was week five against Baltimore in a game that was a really good day for the Colts offense, even in that loss. So, I think that's kind of the starting point. I thought it was funny, Bill. I was talking with Ryan Kelly after the game, and th this was I – I loved the way that he phrased this, where at the end of the game, Carson Wentz hits Michael Pittman Jr. for that 27-yard catch. That kind of gives gives everyone some breathing room, and everyone's kind of able to take kind of a, a deep breath and say, all right, like, we should be able to go down and win this game. You know, we'll get the field goal – um, you know, whatever it may be, and then have to force Jacksonville to go the long, you know, the length of the field. But Ryan Kelly, his his response to that was, quote, 
you know, even at the end, just being able to get a first down, it seemed like it had been a while since we got one of those. So doing that for the defense to give them a little more of a break was just an honorable gesture. I loved how he faced that. Like, oh, it was it was really honorable of us because, I mean, you could tell Kelly was frustrated with it, with the way the offense played. Jacksonville's front did a really good job. They threw some unscouted looks at the Colts at, that, you know, led to some pressures on Carson Wentz. But when you look at what the Colts' offense was able to do and what they were not able to do on Sunday, Bill, what kind of stood out in the way that Jacksonville was able to attack the Colts' offensive line? Well, I think what they did is they, they gave them some different looks in the second half. Um, the first half, I thought the Colts did a nice job of moving the ball down the field, creating some running lanes for Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor had what, over 100 yards in the first half and played extremely well in the first half that the, uh, the Colts offense did. So that was a plus. But I think what they did is they, they changed some things, put some pressure, uh, put some pressure on the different gaps against the Colts offense, and just did something – a few things a little differently that they got the Colts off the line uh, a little confused. So that stifled the running game a little bit and also put some pressure on Carson Wentz. But as we talked about earlier, they did enough to make sure that they went down and got the big first down and got a field goal to put them up by six. So that makes it difficult for the Jaguars to actually go all the way down the field and score a touchdown. It was a lot different than the Jaguars if they had to go down and just get a field goal. Um, so getting that first down from Carson to scrambling and Pittman finding the open area there down the field and Carson throwing the ball on the run, hitting Pittman and giving the Colts enough room so they can go down and kick a field goal was huge uh, for that drive for the Colts. By the way, the, the Jaguars had 28 total pressures. Their pressure rate was 44%. The Colts defense, by the way, 29 pressures. Their pressure rate was 47%. So game a game where both lines got after the quarterback. But, you know, we, we talked a lot about it, Bill, leading up to this game, about how well the Jaguars' defensive line was playing coming off that game against the Bills in which they held them to six points. In this game, Josh Allen, this is per pro football focus, Josh Allen had nine pressures. Roy Robertson-Harris, a really lengthy athletic defensive end who played a lot of time with the Chicago Bears, he had six pressures in this game. That led the Jaguars in both those categories. And... You know, it, it, it like you said, the second half, things really started to turn for that Jaguars front. And the Colts, after scoring on their first two possessions, they then went punt, 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 field goal, punt, 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 field goal. And that was to the end of the game. So, you know, give the Jaguars defense quite a bit of credit for how well they played. But you could tell the Colts offense was still frustrated with how things went. The other thing here, Bill, Jonathan Taylor, he rushed for 116 yards. 93 of those came in the first quarter. So, again, you could tell that the Jaguars really found some solutions up front. Um, you maybe wonder how Quentin Nelson, he, it looked like he got hurt during the game, if that maybe played a bit of a factor. But uh, kudos to him for gritting everything out and still staying in this game. But... Is this game, I guess, Bill, when you kind of zoom out on this game, are you worried at all about the Colts offense, or was this one of those games against a divisional opponent where you just kind of tip your cap to the opposition and move on to the next week? It's kind of a mixture of both a little bit. Um, the only concern I have is the Colts not being able to make the adjustments on the fly in the second half because there are going to be things where teams uh, will make adjustments to what the Colts are doing. 
and the coast are going to have to make an adjustment to their adjustment to do that on the fly instead of waiting to the halftime and do it where you might not have an opportunity to do it at halftime where Jacksonville made the adjustment at halftime. They came out in the second half, did some things to uh, cause some problems for the Colts. Well, the Colts need to make an adjustment to their adjustments during that third quarter and fourth quarter, and they didn't quite make those adjustments where they needed to uh, for that. So I think teams will probably try to start doing that. Um, so that's a little concern, but other than that, no, I don't have much concern. I just think the Colts did enough to win the football game, and that's what you have to do right now. Right now, the Colts are in a situation where they just need to win football games. It might not be pretty. It might not be the way you want to win football games. There might be some things you need to improve on, you need to work on, but the bottom line is just they won the game. Let's move on. we got a game next week against a good opponent, but for this game, they did what they needed to do to close out the game and win the game. One other thing I wanted to ask you about the offense before we move on to the defense. So the 27-yard completion of Michael Pittman Jr. that Carson Wentz had on third and seven at the 49-yard line late in the fourth quarter, Pittman on that play, I mean, he said he was essentially running step for step with Carson Wentz, but on it, as, as a wide receiver, when do you identify, like, all right, my quarterback's flushed outside of the pocket, because Pittman on that play, he kind of runs up the seam, and he looks back at Wentz, who then gets flushed out to his right. And Pittman at that point, he picks up where the linebacker is, he picks up where the corner is, and he just starts running essentially toward the 30-yard line. It's a really nice play by Pittman. How difficult is that as a wide receiver to have that spatial awareness to not only know where you are on the field, but know exactly where to go when your quarterback is being flushed out in a certain direction? Well, if you you have an idea of the play that you're running, so you know exactly where everybody on your team should be, the other receivers should be, where they should be located, their depth. And while you're doing that, you also know that the defense that they're playing, so you know where the holes are in the defense that they're playing zone. If you're playing man-to-man, -man, well, you feel the guy running with you. And then as you look back and you look back to a spot, you don't see your quarterback there. You know your quarterback is rolling out. Then if you can see him where, which way he's rolling, the rule of thumb is when the quarterback's scrambling, you want to run parallel with your quarterback. So you mm -hmm. want to run the same direction with the quarterback, the way he's running. Now, if you get to the sideline while the quarterback's running parallel, you get about three yards to the sideline. Then you turn up the field and go, and go deep because you can't run anymore. And you don't want to bring people back to the quarterback. So because it might be someone underneath you as far as another receiver, so you don't want to run and get in his way. Um, so Pittman did a nice job. I mean, he found the open area, found the hole there, uh, found the soft spot, and Carson, you know, I think Carson, Carson feels so comfortable with Pittman knowing that he would find the soft spot. He would be somewhere where he can throw the ball and get the ball to Pittman, and Pittman would make the catch. And Pittman did a nice job of keeping his feet in bounds. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it wasn't just a catch and, and, the, and Carson rolling to his uh, right and throwing it, but it was Pittman keeping his feet in bounds, controlling the ball, and make sure he had control of the ball with both of his feet in bounds to get the first down to keep the drive alive. So I think this is really interesting that you mentioned knowing the other routes, because that, that sometimes does seem to be a challenge for young wide receivers, is knowing where they fit on every single play. And on this play, Moelle Cox kind of runs a stop route, um, but 10 yards of depth, and on it, the, the corner on that side kind of drives down on Mo while Carson starts scrambling. Pittman's able to fit in between the corner and the safety really well. And just that, that feel and that knowledge of where everyone else is, um, 
is that something when you watch Pittman Bill, is that something that's helped him get better this year? Is not only his own ability to go up and win on contested catches, but to understand the the rest of the route concepts and where he can fit in, whether it's on platform or off platform. It, it's, that's just the growth of, of Pittman as far as from last year to this year, as far as being almost under, being able to understand the offense that you're you're playing in, and not just knowing what you're doing. Uh, it's I won't say it's easy to know just what you're doing as far as a wide receiver in the National Football League, but to get a better grasp of the offense and what the coaches are calling and why they're calling the play and what everyone's doing and what the coach is trying to accomplish on that play is a huge difference than just knowing what you do out there in the football field. Because then when you understand the concept of the play, you understand uh, what everyone's doing, why the coach is calling this play on this down and distance, you have an idea of what's going on. So that makes the, your job a lot easier once you understand all those things, understand what the other receivers are doing and their responsibilities are. And so when things do break down, it makes it easier for you to find the holes in the zone or to run away from the guy and man and get to the right spot. And you're not going to run into someone else where you have two receivers in one spot. So when you have a better understanding of the offense, you can find those open areas and then get those big plays like Pittman did tonight. All right, so let's switch over uh, and look at the Colts' defense. And this is something that really stood out to me, Bill, is that in the second quarter, the Jaguars really started to win the field position battle. They started their five drives in the second quarter, which, by the way, I mean five drives in the second quarter. That's, that's crazy, just indicative of how this game went. But they started those drives on about the 35-yard line, their own 35-yard line. So they were getting good field position with a lot of consistency here. And the Colts' defense, on four of those five, forced three and outs. And if you look at what this defense is able to do, to me, that stretch of, of game right there, that decided this game. Because the Jaguars had a number of opportunities to really get back into it. They just scored a touchdown on Jamal Agnew, that big run. So you get it to 17-6. to six, You get all these good field positions at the 38, 37, 43-yard line. And the Colts' defense locks in. And I know it was only the second quarter, but right there, if the Jaguars turn one of those drives into a touchdown, this is a different game. It might be a different result at the end of it. So tons of credit to the Colts' defense and the coverage of guys like Kenny Moore II and Rocky seen in this game, and Isaiah Rogers as well, was really, really good. When you, when you looked at what the Colts' defense did, Bill, uh, in those situations – when you're kind of you're starting to get backed up a little bit in the field position battle to make the plays that they did how impressive was that to you it was very impressive because like you said those drives the first drive in the second quarter they started the 38 yard line the first play was an incomplete pass to chanel then a run by robinson game two yards then another pass incomplete then they had to punt so i mean that's just was indicative of the next few times they got the ball was the next time they got the ball in the 37 yard line and they also had to punt it as well and then they got the ball again the next at the 43 yard line uh trevor lawrence scrambles for four yards run by chanel gain of five yards run by carlos hyde no gain punt so when the defense does that knowing that the other team has good field position to move the ball down the field and then they're going to stop those guys the, the opponent on three consecutive drives three plays and out that says a lot about defense. Defense came to play. 
Um, I think uh, Eberflus did a nice job of mixing things up, kind of confusing Trevor Lawrence, mm -hmm. uh, at times putting people up there that, as they were blitzing and then dropping them out, uh, sometimes coming, uh, sending pressure from different places. So I think he did a good job of confusing the young quarterback, which made it difficult for him. And then a lot of times you saw him holding the ball back there in the backfield and not knowing exactly where to go with the ball. Right. I think the defensive backs did also a good job of closing the gap with the receivers and making sure that the windows were a lot smaller to throw in to make it difficult for Trevor Lawrence, which that would help the defensive line to get some pressure on um, the quarterback, which they did tonight. Yeah, I thought that that's a really good point about the windows because it looks like Lawrence at times was trying to lead his receivers almost a little bit too far because the coverage was so sticky. You know, whether, again, I mean, Kenny Moore had a great game. He, he had a really, really impactful game. Um, but, you know, to then look at what the, the Colts defense is able to do late. So the Jaguars cut it to 20 to 17 uh, after that 10 play 65 yard touchdown drive, got the two point conversion. All of a sudden they get the ball back and you're thinking like, uh oh, it's eight and a half minutes to go. Jaguars go three and out. At, at that point, with the last play, Quiddy Pay getting a really good pressure on Trevor Lawrence, forcing an incompletion, and the Jaguars then punting. Colts go down, they get that three points, and then, of course, then the Colts really finish the game with Dio Odangbo forcing the fumble late that really seals the win for the Colts. But th we've talked so much, Bill, about the defense needing to finish and finish and finish, and today, give them credit. They finished. They finished out this win in a game where if the Jaguars go down and score a touchdown, they go win at that point. Oh, I agree with you. The Colts finished today with the with the stops they had, of course, turning, getting the turnover there uh, at the end there with uh, Dangbo calling, uh, causing a turnover there. And it's great to see him come in there and play and, and make a big play and kind of close out the game. And it's, it's good for him, good for young guys to do that and knowing that the coaches have confidence in you as you go out there playing and get a lot of playing time to make the plays to uh to close out a game so he played well and, and the Colts did a nice job of closing up the game they've talked about this before in the baltimore game that they weren't able to close out so now they come out today at home against a division opponent and jaguars are moving the ball down the field they have a chance to score now they have to score a touchdown uh, to, win a, to win the game instead of just uh, kicking the field a little tight. But give Odangbo and the defense credit and give Odangbo credit for getting his first sack. And I'm happy for the young guys, not just Odangbo, but Quidipe also mm -hmm. getting his first sack and putting pressure on the quarterback and hitting the quarterback and getting the hits there. So the guys played, the defense played well. They played well today. I thought they did a nice job. Yeah, Quidipe, seven total pressures per pro football focus. So Dangbo had one, but it was the most impactful one of the game. And then DeForest Buckner. I mean, yes. it, he was a monster in there. Again, he had eight total pressures that led the Colts. He got a, a couple sacks. I think he, he's technically split ones with Quiddy and Dio. Mm -hmm. uh, but, I mean, here's a guy who was dealing with a back injury this week, comes out there, doesn't matter how many times he's double teamed, he goes out and makes a huge impact yet again on this game. Um, the, the defensive line, th this was one of their better games this season, but it kind of follows them having another a really impactful game against the Jets, even though, again, if the sack totals weren't there, these guys are getting after quarterbacks, and eventually those things are going to start turning into sacks like we saw with Quiddy Pay and DeForest Buckner today. And then, hey, how about Taylor Stallworth? 
Exactly. Yeah. Three three sacks in two games for Stalley. He only had one and a half sacks in his career coming into week nine. Now he's got three this season. You love seeing that out of guys, you know, just stepping in in rotational spots and making a big impact like a guy like Taylor Stallworth did. Definitely. You love to see those guys doing that. And I love to see the rotation that the coach used for the defensive line. And you know, speaking of Stallworth, he had also three quarterback hits as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just good seeing those guys making plays out there and playing. And you brought up DeForest Buckner. And I hate to say this. I'm so used to DeForest making plays. I just didn't just didn't say it. Uh-huh. That right, he's always right. making plays. He's always going out there making plays, being impactful out there on the, on the field. So, uh, of course, DeForest playing well. You know, got the half sacks, two quarterback hits as well. So the guys played well. You know, Quiddy Pay had three quarterback hits, and Rochelle got one. Yep. So the guys were out there playing and, and making big plays. And then you had uh, Starworth also had a tackle for a loss as well as Quiddy Pay. So... The guys went out there and played well. They did their job. And the defensive line is doing their job. I think the defensive line and the secondary kind of go hand in hand. When the, when the quarterback's about back there to pass, defensive line is trying to put pressure on them. If the DBs are sticking to their man and making it difficult for the quarterbacks to make decisions, it gives the defensive line that extra second to get to the quarterback to hopefully sack them, cause a fumble, or get a quarterback hit. And you get enough quarterback hits uh, on the quarterback, eventually he's gonna, you know, start flinching a little bit, and when he starts flinching, that's when the ball goes up and you get some turnovers. Yeah, especially a rookie like Trevor Lawrence, and and on the back end of the defense, the coverage was excellent. Rocky Seen did not allow a catch today per Pro Football Focus, and that wasn't just because you know he he wasn't he was only targeted three times, but first play uh, that he was targeted in the first quarter looked like Trevor Lawrence had Jamal Agnew for a, a pretty ch- good chunk gain on third and eight and rock stayed with it, made a really nice play to break up the pass. Uh, and then Kenny Moore had a really, really good game. Like I mentioned earlier, he dropped that interception early, came back, made a number of really good plays. The pass breakup he had after that, um, you know, it was just textbook coverage driving down in the slot and, and Kenny again against the run really solid yet again, he continues to be a really, really good run defender in the NFL. Um, you love to see this out of the, the secondary, especially without Xavier Rhodes. Um, you know, when you got contributions from guys like Kenny and Rock, uh, Isaiah Rogers having a really solid game in coverage too. Um, you really like to see that when you lose a veteran in Xavier Rhodes for this game. Oh, definitely. The, the guys had to step up today. You know, when they lose Xavier Rhodes, you you kind of have an idea that they're going to try to go after the guy that comes in and mm-hmm. whoever it may be, TJ Carey, whoever was playing out there, they were going to try to go after him. But the defensive backs played well today. The one that the play that I like a lot is, was, well, I should say two plays. The one early in the game, as you talked about, Agnew was Rock went for the ball. He got his hand in there. The guy, Agnew actually had his hands on the ball, but I think Rock got his hands in there and it made it difficult for uh, Agnew to hold on to the ball, and when it hit the ground, the ball came out. So that was a good play by Rock. And then Kenny Moore, I mean, any college player, any high school player playing that position, playing defensive back, that was a teaching reel how Kenny Moore played that against Marvin Jones on third down. Played it well, good leverage. When Marvin Jones made his break, Kenny made his break, got his hand in there, did not uh, impede the receiver to get a pass interference and knock the ball down. Perfect play on third down. Great job by Kenny Moore to stop him. So And then the, they had a punt, and we got the ball back. 
And those are the plays you need on third down. You need to get the teams off the field on third down so hopefully you can get the ball back. And the coach did a good job of that. Uh, I, I forget the total stat of what they were. I think Jacksonville was 5 of 15 on third down, so only 33%. And that is a good number for a defense to only allow five first downs yep. on third down. And by the way, that, that play you're talking about with Kenny Moore, if that pass is completed, the, the Jaguars get the ball right around midfield with a fresh set of downs. That was one of those drives in the second quarter I was talking about, Bill, where the Colts are able to force a three and out yes. despite the Jaguars having good field position again. It's those one or two plays that when they go the Colts' way, th those are huge plays in a six-point game against a divisional opponent. And speaking of huge plays, I mean, the, the Zaire Franklin punt block. Oh. Uh, I don't know if you caught this, Bill, after the game, but it, it sounds like Bubba Ventrone, Colts special teams coordinator, was like telling everyone who would listen that the, the Colts are going to block a punt, specifically Zaire Franklin this week. Because Frank Reich said it, Zaire said Bubba texted him on Monday of last week. So, like, right when you get into Jaguars tape, like, hey, man, you're going to go block a punt. And Zaire was like, you know, I had to go reward him for his confidence in me. But um, that's, again, we're just talking about different contributions from different areas in a divisional game. You love to see something like that, especially if a guy like Zaire Franklin. He talked about this today, too. You remember against Tennessee in week three, yes. he came close to blocking a punt, got hit for roughing the kicker. Uh, the Titans get a fresh set of downs. But he was talking about how after that, the defense was like, hey, man, we got you. We got you. And later in that drive, Rocky seemed forced to fumble. Zaire today was like, I wanted to make sure I played the defense back at some point for that. And he did that today with blocking that punt, EJ speed. I mean, just a mad scramble for the football, him picking it up, stiff arming a dude, getting into the end zone. Uh, the Colts, by the way, Bill, they have now scored six touchdowns on punts since Bubba Ventrone became the special teams coordinator. That's that's an insane amount of touchdowns in four years on punts. I mean, those should be relatively routine plays for the opposition. And the Colts, every single year, are making stuff happen on those plays. Yeah, and, and the funny thing about it is, for the most part, most teams kind of take a punt, uh, kind of take it for granted. A lot of people take it for granted, just like they take uh, extra point for granted. Uh, that it's always going to happen. Well, Jacksonville, they missed an extra point today. Um we got a block punt today. Those things add up over the years. If, if you keep on doing those, like you said, the six touchdowns since Bubba Patron has been special teams coach. I'm a big fan of Bubba Patron. I just like, I just like his energy. First of all, watching him at practice, watching him, the things that he does, how excited he is for his team, and the confidence he gives those guys, telling Zaire, hey, you're going to get a block punt today, this week. He understands what the, the Jacksonville Jaguars were trying to do in their scheme. But he had something ready for them that, hey, we found the weakness in their scheme that we can go and attack it and, and eventually, hopefully, block a punt. And they got one. They got one early. Uh, it came right away and back up in their own end zone. And EJ Speed picked it up and scored a touchdown. Those are the type of plays that teams need when things aren't going well. Now, the Colts were playing well at that point, but you never know what's going to happen, which the Colts had a little trouble is stalled a little bit offensively at scoring points. But when you make plays like that, those are the plays that are going to put you over the top to get you the wins when you need the wins when the rest of the uh, offense or defense is not playing as well as they want to play. All right, so last thing here, Bill. Frank Reich, after the game, talked about what the Colts' mindset is. And he said, essentially, you look at the AFC and no team has really stepped away with it. I think probably Tennessee, I, I think you could probably say they have at 8-2 and two after beating New Orleans today. 
But after that, I mean, the AFC is a wide open book. And Frank Reich said, well, why not us? Why not the Indianapolis Colts to take over that? They've climbed back from 0-3 and 1-4 and to now be 5-5. and And you look around the league, some of the results today kind of went the Colts' way. I mean, the, the, the Minnesota Vikings beating the Los Angeles Chargers in Los Angeles – that's a result that went the Colts' way. The e- the Eagles going and stomping the Broncos 30-13 to at mile high. That's a result that went the Colts' way. Even the, the Steelers, without Ben Roethlisberger, tying with the Detroit Lions uh, in Pittsburgh. That's another result that you can say went the Colts' way. Um, you, the, the Colts still need some, you know, they, they probably will need some help from results like this. But the NFL has been so up and down this year. That even when you look at this game against the Jaguars, I mean, any win right now in the AFC is a good win. There's no such thing as a bad win when you look at the AFC playoff picture because, I mean, the Buffalo Bills just lost to this Jaguars team. You know, the, the even you look at the NFC, I mean, Washington beats Tampa outright today. Like, it, it has been a wild season of parity, so any game that you win at this point is a big one. And now, oh, I, now, now at five and five, Bill, the Colts will go into Buffalo, feeling more confident in themselves as a team because of everything we just talked about. That they're able to win in these different ways, whether it was on defense, it was on special teams, or even Michael Pittman Jr. making that play at the end of the game. Well, like like Frank said, pretty much, why not the why not the Indianapolis Colts? Because you feel like now, right now, you're back in the mix of things as far as hopefully getting a chance to get a wild card. You put a string of wins together in November and you get some wins in December as well. Who knows what can happen? You get right in there for the wild card spot. Yeah, Tennessee is playing. Give Tennessee credit. They're playing well. They're doing a good job of playing well, winning the games they need to win. Um, but after that, a bunch of teams are right there, bunched together, 5-4, uh, 5-5 five and, four, five and five at, with those records. You win your games, the games you know you need to win, and win those crucial games, you still have an opportunity to get into the playoffs. And then once you get into the playoffs, especially in the AFC, anything can go. Anything goes because you just don't know what's going to happen because, you know, one week one team is the hottest team in the NFL as far as in the AFC. Then the next week they've lost two, two a big game to someone they shouldn't have lost to. So you don't know what's going to happen. And then when you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. You just go out there, you play, and you play well, and then you you become the hot team during the playoffs. You get on the run. You can get yourself into the Super Bowl that way. All right. Well, we are going to have plenty coming to you guys uh, leading up to the Colts-Bills game in Week 11. Stay with us here on the Colts Audio Network. We are going to have a new episode of the Colts Official Podcast coming out on Tuesday, and that's going to include a really interesting look ahead at Hard Knocks, which debuts for its first in-season series on Wednesday night on HBO Max. We're going to have a really interesting behind-the-scenes look with myself, Jeffrey Gorman, and Lara Overton for that. Inside Football with Rick Venturi will be back on Wednesday. Matt Taylor and Coach Rick Venturi breaking everything down about the Colts and their win over the Jaguars and then looking ahead to the game against the Bills. Know Your Foe with Casey Vallier and our guy Bill Brooks. That'll be out on Thursday Again, to look ahead to that big matchup in Buffalo against the Bills on Sunday. Anyways, for Bill Brooks, I'm J.J. Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening to us here on the Colts Audio Network. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network wherever you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you next week 
here on Colts Instant Reaction, again on the Colts Audio Network.